Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Superhero Ethics Podcast. I'm Matthew S. Fox, one of your hosts, uh, and I'm very lucky that joining us this week as one of our co-hosts is Crystal Kara. Um, Crystal Kara and I met at the recent WISCON, an awesome conference uh, here in my home state of Wisconsin, uh, and we're going to be talking about the Be Super project that Crystal works on, as well as the recent movie Wonder Woman. So, Crystal, good morning. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. I'm so glad you'd be part of this. Um, for, for everyone who would, uh, I, I'd said that we might be doing this again uh, quite recently, um, uh, Crystal had actually recorded with me about a week and a half ago. We had some major technical problems, so that version didn't stick around, um, but Crystal was good enough to um, join us again, so thank you again for taking the time to, to re-record, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I think that um, there's a lot of great stuff you and I can get into that I think our listeners are going to really enjoy. So let's, let's dive right in by talking about the, the Be Super project. Um, I, I met Crystal when we were, as I said, we were at WISCON, um, and Crystal is the, I guess, the founder, is that correct? Yeah. Um, yeah, is the, is the founder of this awesome project called Be Super, which seems to do uh, kind of a similar idea to what we're trying to do here on super e- Superhero Ethics, but really taking it in a great direction. So um, let's just start there. Tell us a little bit about the, the Be Super project. All right. Um, so Be Super uses comic book characters and sci-fi characters to talk about social justice issues. Uh-huh. Uh, Be Super also aims to use uh, these characters and these issues to show that every person can be a hero in their own way, shape, and form. Nice. And and so what what kind of gave you the idea to get started with that? Where where did that inspiration come from? Um, so superheroes have been a part of my life since I was conceived. I'm uh-huh. named after two superheroes. Yep. Uh, Crystal the Inhuman and Kara Supergirl's human name. Um, and I guess kind of growing up, it made a lot of sense to use these characters to talk about things mm-hmm. um, to my friends and everything like that. And actually in... High school, I used it for, like, my A-push exam, like, a AP U.S. History exam. Oh, cool. I used Batman and the Joker to write my essay. Oh, wow. And it, and it passed, but nice. people were very shocked of, like, <laughs> what did you just do? And I was like, I just wrote about Batman and the Joker. It's fine. <laughs> um, and, like, all my friends were like, that literally makes no sense. Um, so it just kept getting more and more involved in that and then when I went off to college and when I was studying um it made more and more sense to use these characters especially because of the the uh movie franchise really picking up in about 2008 um to use these characters to talk about issues and so I just kept doing it and kept using these characters and did projects about it and then it kind of got to the point where I was like uh, doing things outside of school to, like, teach kids about superheroes and different <laughs> issues. And then my senior year came along, and I was forced into making Be Super Public by a teacher or a professor who told me that if I didn't make it public, I wouldn't pass her class, and I needed to pass her <laughs> class. Wow. So, um, so basically you got told that your project had great power, but with that power comes great responsibility, and you had to use it. I mean, it sounds like <laughs> your own kind yeah. of superhero origin story. Yeah, basically. I, I think the phrase for that is you got Uncle Ben. Um, I, did, I did get Uncle Ben by uh, my great professor, Monica. Um, and then, yeah, and then it, it became public, and then it became my entire world. That's wonderful. 
and I started writing blogs, and that that was really the first part of what I was doing was I was writing blogs, a lot of blogs, and just engaging on, like, online discussion forums and online, um, and then teaching after-school programs, you know, figuring out how to donate leftover comic book sh um, places and how, how to get kids more involved in reading, and then, you know, it has exploded since then, where I've, I've done talks, um, we've, uh, me and the BC Super community have, like, written and published things, wow. um, on different, like, various different, uh, websites and just different comic book, um, areas online, we've, uh, you know, organized, helped organize parts of different protests, uh, had booths, been on panels, and it just, like, keeps evolving from there. Um, had events with, like, um, movie theaters and, and stuff like that. That That is all fantastic. And I, I love hearing more about that story because that it, it's kind of a, a – nowhere near as involved, but um, a, a similar kind of thing happened with how we got Superhero Ethics started because, you know, friends of mine and I kept finding that we were having these conversations about the, the movies and the TV shows and the comic books we loved – and it, it just kept being easier and easier to relate these to the things going on in our own world, you know? And that was sort of the the, the, the idea that we, that we really started with was how, how can we take these questions that the, the movies and TV shows are raising and, 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 and help connect them to the things that they're, in some cases, intentional, in some cases, unintentional, but clearly metaphors for. Um, and I love what you guys are doing of pushing it so much further, making it not just a kind of a discussion, but really, really being a way to teach people. Um, and, and, and I know one of the things that I hear sometimes is from folks who say, why can't we just enjoy these stories as stories? You know, why can't these be escapism? Why do you have to use these to, um, you know, bring, you know, why, why can't I just enjoy Wonder Woman or Captain America as an escape from the issues of the world instead of it having to be a way to think about the issues of the world? How, how do you respond to that when people say, like, or do you get that kind of pushback when people are saying, like, you know, shouldn't these stories just be fun and escapism? Why do they have to be so serious? Oh, yeah. I get that all the time, especially, like, being a woman. Oh, yeah. And like, talking about uh, hyper-masculine comic book characters. I get that a lot. But um, I don't know. For me, it's – I always say, like, comic book characters are always political mm. and always have been political. Yep. And, and people – like, want to, like, try to question that and, like, prove that I'm ign ignorant, one, on knowing anything about comic books, but two, on, like, that statement. And when you go back and look at the history of the comic book, um, you know, world and how it got started and Stan Lee's journey and, and Jack Kirby's uh, journey and everything, you see that it is very, very much political. I mean, Superman was the first ever considered superhero yeah um like like the norm that we now see and it was started by two young men who uh were immigrants and who wanted a character to be represented that was for the oppressed they yeah. didn't like what was going on and they really turned to this this sort of uh, artistic art form to create this character to talk about things and so that they can see themselves in a very different light because Superman's an immigrant. Yeah. And I think a lot of people for forget that aspect. Um, he's actually a refugee, like he's a refugee. Like he like literally had to flee his world because it was exploding. He would have yeah. died. Um, and so 
like all comic book characters are political. I mean, Black Panther, just from Black Panther being a black man, mm-hmm. political. Just for Wonder Woman being a woman, political. Because like a lot of times um, throughout history, there is the private specter and the public specter, and who is allowed in the public specter are weren't women of women or people of color or queer people or anything like that. Um, what was allowed in the public sector was, like, a cis, white, able-bodied, right. uh, wealthy man. And if you were anything else, you had to be pushed away into the private. Yeah, um, th- there's a great book. Uh, I think, I, I'm not sure if you've said you read it, but I, for our listeners, the, the Secret History of Wonder Woman. Um, yeah. And it really goes deep into how, you know, the create, and, and, and similarly with Superman, a book called Abop and Oive. Um, and both of them really go deep into the... the the, the intentions of the of these writers to to very explicitly make political statements with what with, with both of those characters and with so many others. Say and like Nina Simone says a really great thing that an artist's duty is to reflect the times. Mm. And like no matter what type of art form you are doing, no matter if it's you painting something to paint what you're feeling or you painting something to paint what like the people around you are feeling or you're writing something or whatever, it's going to reflect the times and it's going to be political period. Like there's no way for it not to be political because it is reflecting so much. Yeah. Um, and like, if you look at, I mean, this is going a little bit differently, but, but sci-fi and everything like that. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. Sci-fi is like, you know how many socialists are a part of the sci-fi community? Do you know how many famous socialists there are who've like written some of the most famous and and brilliant and beautifully written stories about different worlds? Um, I think it's really incredible. The, the original Star Trek is absolutely a, a socialist utopia or communist utopia, really. Um, uh-huh. And and I love the point you said, especially about the timelessness of these things, because I think and I um, with Star Trek, but also especially with 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 a lot of the comic book stories. One of the things I think is fascinating is because we have literally like what is it now? I'm bad at math, but 70 years I think of Batman and Superman, and and almost as many years of Wonder Woman and some of the others. One of the things that you can also see is because those stories are a reflection of the times. You know, if you want to learn about how the 1950s are different from the 1980s, look at how Superman was told in the 50s versus the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, um, with Star Trek, I often say like if you want to get a very different understanding of the ideology of the 60s versus the ideology of the 80s and 90s, look at Star Trek versus Star Trek The Next Generation. I mean, it's just such mm-hmm. a, a very differently stark, starkly different kind of worldview. Um, so, so yeah, I, I love that you're able to use that to kind of push back against that. Um, what has been some of the kind of the positive responses you've been getting? Like how, when you are taking this in a classrooms or, or, or onto the blogosphere, like what, how, how are people responding in positive ways? Um, in really awesome ways that I never thought would happen. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I think the most memorable thing or the thing that's sticking out for me right now is going into, um, I was a, uh, guest speaker at DePaul for the Women and Gender Studies program. And I would go in this past year to a few classes and I like taught what they were, they had went over and we're t- discussing, but I, through a different lens. So disability theory was something that they were discussing, mm. and I went in, and they asked me to come in on May 4th, and I was like, are you doing this on purpose? Because <laughs> uh, May 4th is May the 4th, we would see Star Wars Day. Yep. And the professor had, like, no idea, and I was like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about Star Wars. It's going to be fun. <laughs> and sh- she, like, 
had a little bit of a harder time getting certain people in the classroom involved in the discussion. Um, And then I came in and started talking about Star Wars. And we ended up, everyone ended up participating. And they, they, the classroom went over time. Like, they were like, no, 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 I want to finish my point. (laughs) And I was like, it's like 9.15 at night. Um, you guys are talking overtime and like, <laughs> what? This doesn't make sense to me. Um, but they were really involved with talking about it and, and using these characters and, and using these things to talk about disability theory, but not just like the identity politics behind disability theory, but like the, the core of what, what does that mean for yeah. everyone, um, within a world that has this, um, and, and that has this ableist um, lens already in inputted and uh, you know taught at a very young age. Well, and that's such a great topic, especially because I I think I've told listeners before I I myself am disabled. I, I use a prosthetic leg and I'm often in a wheelchair. And one of my real frustrations often is that people will say to me like, oh no, there are all these great disabled characters in in comic books, but for the most part, those aren't those are characters. It seems often where what has happened is that technology or a superpower doesn't really allow them to be a disabled person with a superpower. It allows them to have a superpower that, that overcomes their disability. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I very – it sounds like your, your conversation actually was able to really go a lot deeper into that about, like, what is happening with ableism and superheroes and, and, and how are those stories either challenging or reflecting the ableist stuff happening in our world. Yeah, most villains or most people who have um, so what we what we presume are disabilities and stuff like that become villains. Yeah. In the comic book world and in the, in the sci-fi world, um, which is like really telling of what we view, like what society how society views people who don't have what they presume to be like the perfect body or like the the body that will be able to work in a capitalist system right. and will be able to turn out enough product. Right, the perfect body, or in many cases now the perfect mind, because yeah. mental illness becomes the justification for any level of villainy. Yep, yep. Well, and, and that, that's that's wonderful to hear about the students. Um, and I, I it, it, there's kind of two related things that, that brings up for me. One of which is, um, I, I know sometimes when I talk to people about this project, they they almost immediately think what I'm talking about is kids, you know, and that because there is still this kind of perception of superhero stories, comic books, stuff like that. That they're kind of juvenile, and that they mm-hmm. like that that a person who, if you're an adult and you're still focusing on these things, that to some extent you're still like you know the man child or or whatever the the equivalent of other genders would be. How, how do you how do you challenge those kind of ideas when people are saying like isn't all isn't this all just kid stuff? Uh, I tell them to go read I Hate Fairyland uh-huh. or Saga or Watchmen or yep. The Killing Joke or any of that and then like how how those stories aren't necessarily made for children. Those stories have so much violence in them and so much gore in them and like used profanity and like saga is saga if if you haven't read that, it's an image comic and it's beautiful and everyone should read it. Uh-huh. But um it it has a lot of talk about nudity and sexuality and what does that mean and like the pages are 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 littered with uh with naked bodies and right. like reimagining what a world with that being exposed to really means um and none of that stuff is necessarily made for children though i want to argue that none of it necessarily isn't made for children mm-hmm. 
but at the same time, those stories are 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 for so many ages and, and so many people can grow and learn from them. I mean, I think the most interesting thing is that Squirrel Girl is getting, you know, kind of the love for Squirrel Girl has grown so much. Uh-huh. And it's not by uh, preteens and teenagers. It's by women in their 20s and women in their 30s because yeah. no matter what these stories, just like you go into a movie and seeing any of these stories, like they do have a really big impact because they talk about really important things and, and everyone wants to feel like, uh, and, and wants to, wants to feel like they could save the world and, yeah. and they can help people. That's, that's something that's universal. I mean, you look at Pixar movies or you look at Disney movies and like, I mean, how many people saw up? Yeah. How many people saw Finding Dory? How many I, people saw? How many people cried? On, I mean, I, I sobbed through up because that's, that maybe it's a kid's movie, but it's such deep adult themes in so many good ways. Yeah, so if, if you can, like, watch those, why why can't you also read comic books? And and just, there's so many, there. I think a lot of people have this, this thing and this theory in their head, which isn't necessarily wrong, um, but that comic books are superheroes. It's Batman, it's Superman, it's yep. X-Men, it's this. But there's so many more comic books out there that aren't necessarily about superheroes or or that are about supernatural things in some sort of way, but isn't. Like, Bitch Planet is an incredible comic, and it doesn't have anything to do with superheroes. Right. Um, and Preacher is an incredible comic. doesn't have anything to do with superheroes, but has something to do with, like... Y- you living on Earth, and, like, what does that mean? And, like, vampires. Yeah. So, I, I think I, I, I try to, I bring up all of that in the discussion, being, like, have you seen any, like, I love, like, Lego Batman of the Lego movie. Oh, yeah. Was it made, was it made necessarily for me in mind? I don't know. Did they make sure that, like, if I went and saw it, I got some of the more dirtier jokes? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like there are things planted in in kids books oh, and, yeah. and kids movies that are for adults and and vice versa I believe. I, I mean I so. always I always thought there was something wonderfully subversive about you know the the quote unquote kids shows and TV stuff that really has so much deeper meaning. Um, <laughs> because the, um, I mean when I was a kid I loved the Muppet Show. Um, and and my mother that was you know she hated any of the other kids stuff I wanted to watch, but my mother always loved to watch the Muppet Show with me. And, and I remember later, I, I asked her about that. I don't remember even how it came up, but she was like, well, because there were just as many jokes for me as there were for you. And, and I didn't quite understand what she meant until I went back to an adult and rewatched The Muppet Show. And there was just this whole other level of meaning that as a kid who just thought Kermit and Miss Piggy were ridiculous, I was completely missing. Um, and, and I think there's something so powerful about whether you know it's, it's like cartoons or comic books or any of these things where, where, where they're able to, to, to have messages and meanings that that are, that are either on the surface or kind of hidden, but that, that anyone of any generation can find. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm glad you were able to kind of to make that point because I think it's something that it, it, I think there's a real dismissiveness when people just write off these superhero stories or these comic book stories, um, and really they're missing so much there. Um, kind of related to that, I, I, I obviously I think you and your work you're doing are challenging this, but I'm, I'm curious how you respond to it. The other kind of critique I hear a lot is, oh, superhero stories, comic books, isn't that all for white guys? Um, 
Mm-hmm. And I think obviously there's a lot of history, and, and even especially in who appears on screen and stuff, that overwhelmingly these stories are told by and told for white cis het men. Um, but clearly they don't have to be, and it, it seems like your work is really trying to highlight the fact that that's not. Um, so how do you respond when people are saying, like, you know, why are you using these stories that are just all about white guys? I mean, isn't everything about white guys? Yep, also true. <laughs> not, I mean, um, no, I think that, like, so much of what our society still focuses on is for white cis men. And and to not use what is out there, I think, is a disservice. I think you can use them to talk about such issues. Like, why is this about hypermasculinity? What is going on here? Why isn't there women? Why isn't there people of color? Why isn't there queer people? Like, why are they falling into stereotypes? Like, what what is going on? Um, and and I think it you can learn a lot. I mean, even looking at the history of Batman, or looking at the history of Wonder Woman, I mean, you see how racist they were at the very beginning, and you're like, oh my goodness, what the hell, and like how sexist they were, and like everything, and then you kind of, you know, you keep going to the storyline, and you see these new characters added, you see these new people writing and drawing, and like, uh, and being the artist for these, these characters, and you see them develop, and you see their like, group of people develop, and I mean, I love Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Batgirl. Batgirl came from the Batman universe, and Batman, if I would have read a Batman comic when he first came out, I would have not loved him. I would have hated him. Yeah. And I still kind of have weird feelings when it comes to Batman because he's a fascist. Yep. But, um, um, like, Batgirl would have never existed. Yeah. Um, unless people were being very, very critical of this comic and being like, why don't you have women? Why don't you have, like, queer people? Why don't you have people of color? Um, and the very the same thing with Wonder Woman. The reason why she, Wonder Woman has a sister, which she does, mm-hmm. um, is there was a very big, like, holy crap, Wonder Woman is pretty racist. Yeah. And then they brought in her sister, and the beginning story arc of her sister is completely racist and completely comes into this awful stereotype. Her sister is a black woman. Yeah, doesn't does she have a, a name that is very clearly, like, she is a black woman? I, I'm sure, I think it's, like, Numeria or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Very, very much so. And, like, she comes in as being, like, this kind of savage. Oh, and it's God. an awful, awful trope. But then you see throughout history and throughout the writing of the comic book, where she becomes this badass person and she's incredible now and she's one of my favorite characters um and she's like wonder woman's twin sister and i would love to see that brought into the movies in some way but but you see them grow and you see things change and so the reason why you're doing this is because you can talk about the history of this stuff and it's actually better in my opinion, it's better than what we get out of history books, especially like public school history books. Because right. we only learn the white man's narrative. We don't learn anything else, or we learn a day of like, oh, and woman got the right to vote. Yay! Yeah. Okay, we're done. And like, um, slavery ended. Yay! And we're done. Right. Like, we don't talk about anything else. And so in these comic books, at least you're able to question it and talk about it in a very different way than what I believe and 
was able to do in, in my middle school and high school classes. Um, and then to go from there, there's also so many other comic books out there that like bring in trans, like trans characters and like women of color are like the leads and like they break down stereotypes and they talk about the patriarchy and they talk about these issues in very, you know, great ways that it's just like, all right, well, like use these books too. Like, let's talk about how Batman isn't the best superhero. Yeah. It's in the character. I, I will still love him, but you know, he's not the best. And like, Wonder Woman isn't the voice of feminism. Like, there's yeah. better characters that have been written since she was written, but, like, she was the breakthrough character. Well, and I love that point, especially what you said there about Batman, because I think, I, I often, I, I, I mean, I'm always kind of suspicious of binaries in conversation, in any setting, but I, one of the ones that I hear a lot in terms of these movies and, and TV shows and comic books and the like is either the perspective of, oh, they all have a lot of racism and sexism or whatever, so, so they're terrible and let's ignore them entirely. Or, these are great and fun and, and please stop politicizing our entertainment. Um, and I really like the way you're talking about being able to, to really see both sides, to see that these things are not perfect by any means and that we should be critiquing them and encouraging them to critique, critique themselves, but, but that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't take away from the ability to enjoy them Always. So I think you and I have talked before about how there are some, you know, like for me, Iron Fist, like I just couldn't get into it because, A, because the writing was terrible, but also just the, yeah. the, the racism there was just so hard to overcome and the whitewashing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but so, and, but I, like taking that, like what you said about like, you can still love, you can still be entertained by Batman and also understand all the problematicness. How, how do you hold that balance? Because I think this is something I hear a lot of fans wrestling with is, how do I allow myself? How do I sort of hold that double space of both be enjoying something while being critical of it, and and where do I find the line of I need to be so critical of this that I shouldn't enjoy this? Does that make sense? I'm kind of throwing yeah, a couple yeah, ideas yeah. out. No, that makes sense. Um, I think we'll try to go at that one at a time. Yeah. I think it's I think it's difficult. I think that as human beings, you're always going to kind of be wrestling with that, and your opinions are going to change maybe within the five minutes. Yeah. Of like, if you should support it or you shouldn't, or or five years or ten years. Um, for for me, I don't think you can truly love something until you can see its flaws, um, and until so you true. can recognize that. Because if if you don't, if you just say that you love something without looking at the flaws in it, you don't really love that thing, because you're not seeing the whole, you're not seeing the entirety of that. Whether that is a person, or whether that is a comic book, or whether that is a thing or a job or whatever, you have to, you have to see the flaws in it. Um, and so that's, I think that's the first thing when it comes to comic book characters is like, you can't just say this, this character is perfect because this character was written by a human being. Human beings aren't perfect. So there is no way the character is perfect and the character is not flawed. It's flawed. Um, and you have to like really dig inside yourself. And those are really hard conversations to have with yourself on, on something that you really love of like, oh gosh, what is it's, what's wrong with this character mm-hmm. or, or what's wrong with this thing and then see if you can still love it. I mean, I think that there are certain things that every person is going to have a line and the line is going to be different for people yeah. of what they can and cannot support. Um, I think that it, it is definitely based upon people's history and people's experience and, and how people, uh, you know, move about the world. Um, I know 
for for me uh, a hard line I have is I don't support um people's works who are sexually assaulters or rapists mm-hmm. um I also try not to support people's wor- works who are like you know uh, who are like incredibly racist mm-hmm. or in- or like this, but it is really difficult because a lot of the times you don't know until after the fact. Right. A lot of the times you don't know until like seven years down the road because these these movies and, and these books are, are written in a way where within the comic books, a lot of people don't know who writes them oh, yeah. or don't know who the artist is because like it, you just know the character. You're just like, right. oh, it's Batman. So you have no idea if the person who's writing it necessarily is a horrible person or not. Um, or within the movies, it's a little bit different, but still there's so many working pieces and so many people within the movie sphere that it's like really difficult. And then you also are coming into a place where these people have a lot of money mm-hmm. in the movie world. So they're able to cover up a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're able to hide a lot of things. So then it's like, sometimes you don't even know until like years after the fact that what you supported was supporting someone who what was and is really awful. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and so it is, it's something that you're never, and I don't think anyone's ever going to have the answer to of being like, this is my line because it's going to move. It right. will constantly be moving. Um, but, but that's what I, I try to do. If that makes any sense. Is it does. For, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really like where you're coming from there, especially in terms of, um, you know, I think that, whether we like it or not, and I think in many cases we do like it, but but either way, these are stories that are in the mainstream now, and, and especially the movies and TV shows are becoming so much more mainstream. Um, and I, I, I think if, if our goal is to, to better educate people and to get people thinking and talking about these these topics, using the things that they're already watching, which are sometimes great and sometimes problematic and sometimes somewhere in the middle, um, you know, that that's a way to reach people. Um, and so I, I, I'm really excited to hear more about that. And, and with that in mind, I want to kind of turn specifically to Wonder Woman, which I know has, <laughs> has brings up a lot of the stuff we're talking about in terms of it being both, um, you know, a, a, a piece of media that was really advancing a lot of causes that I, I think you and I both care about a lot, as well as having some flaws of its own and having some people involved with it who have some really problematic views. Um, so, so I want to kind of hear more about sort of using Wonder Woman kind of as a test case of what we're talking about. Um, and, and getting into um, uh, Wonder Woman as an example of, you know, the kind of work you guys do with Be Super, but let's just start with, um, for, your, for yourself, as a, as a lover and an, uh, of these things and as an a- activist and a person who cares about these issues, what was your, what was your feelings on Wonder Woman as the movie? Um, all right, so I know that we've had this conversation before, <laughs> and I'm going to ch- I'm changing things. Okay. I'm t- um... So the character Wonder Woman, I was really, really excited to see in movie form because I love Wonder Woman as a character so much. I, I've studied the history of Wonder Woman, um, the the flaws within the history of Wonder Woman, of some of the people that she's based off of, which I think actually leads very much to the casting and to what happened in the movie. Yep. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Wonder Woman was created by um, the guy who created the lie detector, which is why that she's got the truth lasso. Yep. Um, and she was also created by, or based upon one of the founders of Planned Parenthood. Yep. Um, 
And a little history about Planned Parenthood is when Planned Parenthood first started, um, when they were trying to get the public to really, um, you know, be won over, um, they used the language of eugenics, um, which is very awful. And um, there has been a lot of discussion over the past few years about if they purposely use that language of eugenics to, to get the mainstream um, people to, like, agree with Planned Parenthood and support it, or if they use eugenics because they really believed that they should wipe out a bunch of people. And, and um, just to, to, to clarify for those folks who don't know this story as much, what we're, um, at this point, Planned Parenthood was mostly just was, was doing birth control and, and attempting to help, um, you know, with issues of pregnancy, and one of the things they talked about a lot was, you know, the the the, popu- the, the amount of pregnancy happening in, in communities of color, particularly in, in, in immigrant and black communities. And so often that's the, I, I think the, I just want to, I think you're on the same page here, but that that at least my understanding of the eugenics idea was that that there was a lot of specific talk about like, you know, how many immigrants there are and and, and reducing the number of childbirths in those communities. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So clearly that the language, whether it was intentional or not, was like not okay. Yeah. And so you flash forward it to the the creation of this movie. And I think that very similar, there are these language things that are used that aren't representative of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I think um, talking about, you know, race specifically, um, I, at first, was really, really excited and really happy um, the first time I saw Wonder Woman, um, because I didn't see it twice. Granted, I did leave halfway through the second time um, and had to, like, collect my thoughts and come back. Um, I left during specific scenes because I just couldn't watch them. Um, But um, I, at first when I saw the mascara and like the Amazons, I was like, wow, they have Amazons of color. That's so awesome. Because I was really afraid that it was just all going to be white people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second time I watched it, I was like, Ooh, wait, they have Amazons of color, but like, they don't talk really. And then I read son of Baldwin, which is, he's this incredible um, writer online. And I read his review of wonder woman. And I was like, I, yeah, this is exactly it. Like the woman of color, which are like mainly black women. They don't like have other people of color. Right. Um, within the women of, of the Amazon um, and the mascara. But um, they're all fall into stereotypes. A hundred percent. They fall into like every awful stereotype of like a black woman that you can find. And so I don't, I think it might have been actually better if they didn't have black people, like black women in it at all, because clearly they didn't know how to write a black character. Right. Um, and then you flash forward it and you see that with later on in the film, they're able to have men of color um, and they're able to kind of, and they still kind of fall into stereotypes a little bit, but not as, as much as the the women of color. Yeah, I mean, like um, the, the character Chief is the one I most think of there. Um, you know, in terms of he's he's kind of the Native American stereotype, but he's also the character seems to be embodying the idea that he has been stereotyped by the people around him, and they're at least trying to challenge that in a way. Yeah. So then you then you also get him like, oh my goodness. So like you couldn't have the women challenge that you couldn't have yeah. like women, but you could have it with men like 
that brings in a whole nother level, but it, it kind of goes to show that like the first big movie retelling of Wonder Woman falls in line with the first written stories of Wonder Woman. Yeah. Where they don't represent people of color in in a very good light at all. Um, which is really sad and disheartening. Um and then going back to the conversation we just had about like when do you support a film or, or support something and not, I had a really hard time with wrapping my head around uh who they casted as Wonder Woman. And I had this problem when she got casted originally for Batman versus Superman. Um and not a lot of people spoke about it because she was like a side character. And I think a lot of people at that time didn't think that Wonder Woman would actually get her own movie. Well, can you Be- talk a bit? Because I don't think many people know much about Gal Gadot and sort of why yeah. her folks are, have find her problematic. Yeah, yeah. So um, the reason that people find her problematic is she's a Zionist. And um, so I'm going to explain a little bit of Gal's history. Uh, she was born in Israel. Um, and she was a part of the Israeli army. Now, that isn't something to, like, look at and be like, oh, she's a Zionist, because when you're born in Israel and and when you reach a certain age, you're kind of expected to be a part of the army. You're expected to to, to serve. It's it's a legal requirement, not just a, yeah, an expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so she did that. She served, I think, I think you legally have to serve for two years. Mm -hmm. And then... She was she's done. She went and did something else. She was in pageants. Um, she became Miss Israel. She went to the like the world um, beauty pageant. I think it's called the world. You know, anyways, Miss Universe or whatever. Um, and then she got into acting. The problem with Gal and the reason why people are really upset and and her views as a Zionist is. Since leaving the military, I think at the age of 20, she's now like 32, 33, so 13 years, she has kept the same ideas about uh, Palestine in her head and and about um, what Israel, like that conflict is going on. She believes that she has a right to be there, that these people are horrendous people and that they should be, you know, pushed off of the land. Um, right now what's happening is, and, and I don't know that much. So like mm-hmm. this from the few books I've read, there's so much history within that conflict, but, um, the Gaza Strip is based, is like torn to shreds and there's been so many casualties and so many people have been killed and she supports that. Right. She's written on Instagram and on Twitter about her support for the Israeli troops you know, and those horrible, horrible humans, they need to be, like, that are creating this terror, they need to be gone, they need to be, like, pushed out, they they shouldn't, like, I think in one of her hashtags she had, like, they're right, and these people are, like, terrorists and awful human beings. Yeah. And she hasn't grown in any sense. Even living in the States, she hasn't grown or tried to see this in a different way. And that is her supporting the killing of women and children. Yeah. Um, and it is very hard to, to watch Gal play Wonder Woman where she's so concerned about women and children, but then looking at what she's written and looking at what she said in past interviews being like, no, you actually don't really care about a lot of women and children, especially women and children of color. Yeah. And then you go and you look at her Instagram, which I just did. So 
I mean, once it's on the internet, people screen grab everything, so it's not ever really deleted. She deleted some of the Instagram posts, or her PR people did, and some of her Twitter posts, yeah. supporting, like, what Israel is doing because of everything that was going on with the, the, the movie and, like, all, all the backlash she was receiving from the movie. Her PR people, or she did it herself, deleted it. Hasn't said anything about it, but has just deleted it. Yeah. No, and, and I, I think that's so true and, and such an important point to understand, especially and, – and as you said, there, she has deleted it, but there is still a lot of it that's findable. Um, and I, I'm I, – I'm, to me, I think like a, a lot of the – growing up where she did – I mean I, I had a very – you know, growing up with a, a Jewish parent, I had heard all sorts of different messages about the Israel-Palestine situation and, and ha, have really evolved and changed. But I think I, I have some sympathy for someone growing up in a kind of situation where – you're taught that black and white worldview, um, but to me, that the, the real problem here is that there has there has been no evolution, there has been no understanding, and it just seems so hypocritical to, as you said, in, in the movie, what she is, her, the character is explicitly saying, like you can't just write off whole populations of people, you have to defend them. That that's kind of the Aries thinking, you know, and yet the actress herself, like that perspective of. Because it isn't just about I support Israel, I support my home country. Because I can I can disagree with that, but I can understand it. I can understand the fear of of attacks, even if I completely disagree with it and what it leads to. But but the language that she used of like complete dehumanization of the Palestinian people, and these are just you know monsters and terrible people, and and all these terrible things should be done to them. To me, that is just it's just so glaring against what what her character is saying is Wonder Woman that it that it's really hard to reconcile. Um, mm-hmm. So, so how – and I think it's really interesting because I know the last time we talked, there was a lot that you had really positive feelings about this movie. And I think this is a, a, another great example of how, like, you know, things can change and things can evolve. And do you think for you, is there still some positives you find in it? Or are you now kind of moving more to a place of th- those, those two things and some of the other problems you have are, are more kind of overwhelming any view you have of the movie? I mean, I think that there's always positives when you have um, – um, representation that hasn't been really seen before in that way i think having a female superhero on the big screen regardless of how problematic they are um they're gonna do a lot of like helping young women see themselves as powerful period and and so i mean i also am struggling with how robert downey jr you know, plays Iron Man, and he's also a pretty horrible human being, but no one talks about it, but he's fine, he's got a pass, he's great, he's like this great white guy who, like, let's, let's have him, let's have him be in Spider-Man Homecoming, even though Captain America in the comic books is Spider-Man's mentor, just, right. I'm mad about that, I'm salty about that, but, um, well, and, and it's a really good point, especially because, and, and this is sort of where I go back and forth, is, I, I have a lot of strong feelings about Gal Gadot, but I also wonder, is there a lot of sexism in the fact that I'm being told a lot of things about Gal Gadot that I was never told, you know, that I would have had to really look for about Robert Downey Jr. or something, you know, like, what is the double standard of we hold the star of the female movie to a much higher standard than we would Iron Man or someone else? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so common with any any person who is not seen, any person who's not like a white cis male is held to a different standard. Right. In in all regards of like, because Gal is supposed to speak for all women. Yeah. That that and like clearly she's not clearly like I've seen and I've watched 
some of the worst reviews of like of it by like people who like don't understand like feminism and who thinks that women should be second class citizens. Yeah. So like, I shouldn't necessarily be be reading them and watching them, but I want to learn where where they're coming from. Um, but but you see them even saying in those reviews like, oh, you've got the feminists fighting again. Yeah. Oh, the feminists are fighting again, and it's like. No, we're, like, we're trying to have a fucking, like, conversation. We're trying to have a discussion over this character. We're trying to have discussions because the only way we're going to move forward is if we have discussions and if we have arguments. Like, right. we're never going to be like, oh, yeah, that character is flawed, but it's okay. Like, we're not going to grow and learn. Um, well, and, and it also it, it just highlights the, the pressure that's put on these products that if they're not straight white cis, because now they have to speak for everything. I mean, I... I my, the, the first thoughts I had as I walked out of the Wonder Woman movie were, you know, before I'd even really, I even I had, I didn't know as much about Gal then, and I, I hadn't really thought much about some of the, the more problematic parts of the movie. But, you know, I walked out thinking, okay, that was a generally pretty good movie that had some pretty big plot holes that I didn't agree with and stuff like that. And and sort of interrogating myself as I realized, like, I I wanted the movie to be so much more because I was thinking of it as the great feminist superhero movie. When actually, I think kind of one of the powers of the movie is, to me, it's about. I think it's it's funny and enjoyable and has some problems, kind of like Captain America or Iron Man or some of these other movies. Mm-hmm. And seeing it more from the perspective of, oh, yeah, they're a popcorn movie made by cis white men that don't get held to this incredibly rigid standard. So, isn't there actually some value to saying, yeah, now there's one that's made and directed by a woman, and that's fantastic in a lot of ways and has a lot of problems. But but we can judge it in those same kind of terms instead of just saying it has to be the pinnacle feminist product of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that even that discussion that has been a discussion on like forums and on blog posts and and on so much stuff is like why is Wonder Woman held to such a an insane standard yeah. compared to the Batman movies compared to Superman? Superman failed. The first Superman movie, like, I liked it. But then again, I tend to like superhero movies that, like, the rest of the public don't like. What, do, um, do you mean the original Christopher Reeve Superman or the new Man of Steel? The, the Man of Steel. Oh, um, okay. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're on two paths. Yeah, I hated that movie. But okay, go on. Um, <laughs> anyways. Um, but, but, like, that one sucked. Uh-huh. In, in a lot of regards, it got, like, the worst reviews. Yeah. Um. But they like they still are like oh he's our Superman we're not gonna recast him it's okay like and then you see Wonder Woman and it and it it dominating you know the box office in yep. in so many different ways and people are like can we recast Gal and I'm like yeah I want to recast Gal too but like also what yeah <laughs> like are like are we sure that we want a second Wonder Woman movie and I'm like well I mean I know the company is sure that they want a second one because of how much money they're going to make from uh-huh. it. Um, so I think just like that discussion in itself is like hilarious to me because you, you see that the different standards. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. I think that like when I first, the first time I saw the, the Wonder Woman movie, I was in the theater and I got up and like everyone had left and it was me and my friend Hillary and Hillary was like, so how do you feel? And I was like, I can't, what did she, why, why? I can't get over, I can't believe what she's saying right now. Because, like, I knew so much of her involvement. 
and and so much of her views on on the the conflict and and I was just like I don't believe her. Also, the ending where she's like, and I realized that you have to love is oh, the God. way. And I was like, you just brutally murdered so many people. Well, One and, is not the way. And, <laughs> like, and, and that's where I think I I think again being rec- recognizing critically. The, the both good and bad of the creator's intentions. Because one of the things that really struck me about that book, um, Secret Life of Wonder Woman, you know, mm-hmm. this was a, a, a character meant to be a strong woman type written by a man. And a yeah. man who had, you know, he was, he, he, he was a very self-described, you know, female supremacist. But it was because of a lot of, like, very, stere- you know, in his mind, you know, he, he kind of had a 1930s, 1940s awareness of, of hyper-masculinity. But he then had a response of, like, women should rule the world because of their hyperfemininity, and that women can, like, remind us of the power of love to conquer all, um, which I, there are parts of it that I, I, I appreciate about that message. But there's also something really sexist in that perspective of, you know, women are the nurturers and women are the lovers and women can. And I, 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 I cringed at that line because I sort of felt like that was a throwback to this one really problematic part of that character's history that I kind of hoped we could move away from a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's just so, I'm just glad that when I left the theater, we went <clears throat> because I had to clean it. We went outside and like, there was groups, there was a lot of groups of people. Cause it was the first night. It was like the first showing of the first Thursday night. And the group next to me was having a conversation, and I told my friend Hillary, and I was like, stop talking, and we're going to move closer to this group, because I want to <laughs> know what they're thinking, yeah. which is, like, super creepy in retrospect, but I did it anyways. Um, we can all be a little stalkerish. It's okay. <laughs> and I just wanted to hear what they were saying, and, like, they were saying the exact same things I was feeling. Yeah, that 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 was, like, a good movie, and I can see the good parts of it, and I can see what it's going to do, and, like what it's going to change. And granted, it's not going to change things in the way that I want things to be changed. Right. It's going to be a slow process, but I can't get over the casting of who they played as the main character. The entire time I was like, Ooh, she wouldn't be saying that line. Oh, what? I feel uncomfortable. And I was like, me too. (laughs) Like me, I got you. Like I feel everything that you're saying right now. Like, cause I had such a difficult time watching it and really enjoying it the way that I feel like a lot of people might have and definitely did. Um, And then I had this other problem where a lot of people were like saying, which I find super interesting because I work in a movie theater one day a week um, so that I can get the perks of seeing free movies. (laughs) Um, But about people saying that Wonder Woman is, you know, for white women and just for white women, and that, like, white feminists don't see the flaws in it, da 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 You know how many different people that I saw go into that film? Do you know what uh, Rosio, uh, Rosario Dawson uh, posted on Instagram? Do you know what Lupita posted on Instagram about how much they love this film, about how incredible this film is? Yeah. They didn't see the flaws, or at least they didn't talk about them openly. Um, and so, like, I I I have a a weird issue with people just saying that it's just white women who don't see the flaws in it. Yeah. It's a lot of people who don't know the history, who don't see the flaws or or who who just don't know. Right. Well, uh, because they don't have access to education because they just don't they just don't think about it in that term or that way or or what have you. 
Well, and, and I also think that there's an element of, you know, I mean, in the same way that, like you said, you know, there is never one feminist conversation. There's never one, you know, person of color conversation. And that, that's why, you know, I, I, we talked before about how Luke Cage was so great because it shows a diversity of those kind of positions and opinions. I, I, I think it's important that, like, I can see a movie like that and have, see a lot of the flaws and also recognize that some, someone else might not see the flaws because they just don't know about some of these things. But also that, the, that because I do, to me, I, I still think there is a lot of power in what Wonder Woman was doing. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess I, I, I feel a double thing here because I feel like I want to make sure I, I, I give room to respect for those people who are like, this is the movie that I have needed for so long. Um, and, I, and so I'm happy to see it and I can kind of look past the flaws. Especially because, and I, I think it's important to name this conversation, I know, like, and I, I, it's why I'm so glad you're, you're a guest here and talking about this because I sort of feel like when I see the movie, I know that there's an extent to which the movie isn't for me. In that, like, I didn't grow up. I have all of my life been able to see heroes who looked like me. And so for me, I didn't need a, like, I think I, I am benefited by seeing uh, movies about heroes who don't look me, don't look like me. But I know that I, the movie didn't have that kind of raw emotional appeal that, that it, 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 it would to someone else for whom there is a sense of, like, I finally see a hero who at least somewhat looks like me. Um, and and, and I, I, so kind of putting that back, like, I feel like, um, I, I think it, 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 I'm really interested in hearing more of your perspective because I think uh, um, where, where you're coming from is a different place of, you know, what, what this movie meant or didn't mean to you. Does that, does that, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I don't want to, like, um, push down anyone who thought this movie was everything for them. Right. Because I, I completely understand what that was. I remember seeing um, Ray in Star Wars, and yep. I went with my friends. I saw that movie four times when it first came out. Yeah. <laughs> I was, because I just, uh, Ray to me was what I wanted when I was younger. Yeah. Ray, Ray was that character for me, and I remember crying. And there are flaws with Ray. I can name. I'm not going to name them right now, but there are <laughs> flaws with her. But I I remember in the theater just crying at the very beginning, and my friend being like, "Are you okay?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm fine." And it's very similar to um, that friend um, when we saw the Avengers. Um, uh no Captain America sorry Cap- the third Captain America movie to me is an Avengers movie yeah but um much. Captain America Civil War how emotional he got when he saw Black Panther yeah so I I do see how important this character is and and how much this character is going to change a lot of people's lives and and to to allow people to really feel like they can be strong and they can be powerful. And and I, I want to give voice to that. But I guess for me in this movie, that moment that I saw that and the moment that I was like, I can respect this movie for this, yep. was during the fight scene with Robin. Oh my goodness, Robin, right? Like, yeah. I was just like, oh my, yes. Like, I want to be you when I grow up. The princess uh, bride has become the warrior. Yeah. and And just... I, I remember seeing that part in the theater and that was the one moment in the, in the movie, the one moment where I was able to disconnect myself from like the problems of the movie and just enjoy it was uh-huh. that fight scene and, and seeing her like get up and shoot with three arrows and seeing her be the most powerful Amazon warrior 
and she was older. Like Robin's in her fifties. Yeah. And 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 for me being like that now is what I need to see. Yeah. Like that that type of and it's a very similar thing. I'm I mean even with the the original movies for Star or movies for Star Wars when Ray was on screen, I felt a lot. But when General Leia came out, mm-hmm. I just could not stop crying because I remember when I was younger seeing Star Wars and wanting so badly to be Princess Leia, but seeing how she was treated in the last film mm-hmm. as as nothing really and as so weak and being like, I want to be Princess Leia, but I want to be strong. Right. And then seeing her come back as a general and seeing how strong she was, and I was just like, oh. Yes, like, yeah, that's so incredible. The, the, the journey from the ridiculous gold bikini and the chain to the, the general's outfit. I mean, that there's so much, just in those two images, there's so much power in how much that character was able to change. Um, so, so that for me is like, that was when I saw Wonder Woman. I saw the power yeah. of that movie was just like, I, I needed to see, you know, women of all different ages fighting. I needed to see Robin be incredible and like be so great and I seriously like that scene if I could just watch that scene and like <laughs> forever I would because like yeah. oh they were just so bad like they were fighting and they were strong and like a lot of people were like oh they're weak because they don't have guns and I was like you don't need guns they have their arms yep like it's so see true how muscular their arms are like damn um, what, and, yeah. and I, I, I love especially what you're talking about there with Robin Wright because I, I think what that actress has been able to do is amazing especially because um, I don't know if you watch it but but the new new episode new season of House of Cards was just released which also stars Robin Wright in a very have you seen any of that show? Okay, I tried watching that show but it, the very first scene of that show there's a dead dog. Yeah, no, I, I hear I, that. I, I couldn't, and I haven't watched since, and it sounds so bad, but... No, no, I, I've heard of the people make... I mean, it, it's a terrible show in a lot of ways, um, and I will never deny that. But, but again, I have been so amazed by that actress, because the character she plays there, you know, because again, like, we're talking about, like, the way that women will offer, or people of color, or whoever it is, get held up to, like, the standard of they have to be perfect. She is an awful, terrible character. And I mean, like, an amazing-to-watch character, but she is a straight-up villain, without any doubt. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the story is, is kind of intended to be Lady Mac- like, to be Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, but in this, it's when Lady Macbeth decides, no, fuck it, I'm a better king than he is. Um, and it's just as Machiavellian scheming. And the actress does an amazing job of making the character so relatable and you want to root for her as she's being incredibly manipulative and evil. And I just, to me, that's also such, I just watched that character and I was able to think like, it is so amazing that we get to have a woman playing this kind of character of the villain who you love to hate, you know? But not in a, oh, because she's so sexy and seductive while being evil. She is just straight up a powerful, politically manipulative character in a politically manipulative, you know, who's able to play that game in her own way. Um, and, I, and, and so to me, when I think of Robin Wright as an actress, I, you know, you think of like the Princess Bride stereotype that, that, that and, and I, she, I think she's great in that movie, I love that movie, but it's such a classic stereotype. And now the actress has embodied these two incredibly different roles, but both of which are about shattering those, those stereotypes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on how powerful that was in that movie. Yeah, so, like, Wonder Woman didn't do that for me, but there was a character in Wonder Woman that made me be like, yeah, like, I can yep. I can be powerful, like, 
Because I feel really old. I'm not very old, but I feel really old right now. I'm, I'm like, in my early 20s, but I'm just, like, I'm so old. Okay. Um, which as, is not as, true. As the guy a few months away from 40, I'm sort of sagely nodding my head and going, of course, yes. <laughs> but, but in Hollywood and everything like that, you get taught as a woman that oh, yeah. you are no longer sexy, you are no longer attractive, you're no longer strong, you're no longer smart, yep. you're no longer any of this stuff once you reach the age of, like, 40. Yep. You're not casted in shit. Even 30, really, in some ways. Yeah. And so, like, that has spread to, like, like, the culture and society that, like, if you're in your 20s, you're attractive and you're smart and you're able to be really smart. You're able to be really quirky and you're able to like superheroes. But the moment you get into your 30s, what is wrong with you? You're supposed to want kids, a husband. Right. Da, 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 da. Um, And it's, like, really, like... I think that's where I'm coming from, where I'm so, like, uh, I feel so old because, like, I don't know if in, in the time when I've reached 30, if I'm going to have, be married, if I want to be married, if I if I want kids. Yeah. But I know that conversation by complete strangers is coming. Yeah. I know that I'm, it's starting, it's already started to come, where I get asked by complete strangers, so do you have a boyfriend? Yeah. So, um... It's putting aside know, even the heterosexism of that question to begin with, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So do you have kids? Do you want kids? And it's just like, dude, I, like... I'm thinking about grad school right now. Like, I'm not <laughs> thinking about that at all. Um, but that... So to, to see women in their 50s playing these warriors and, like, not being tied down to men and not being tied down to, like, children... And all this stuff, like, that to me was very powerful because absolutely, I've already had some of those questions started, especially with me trying to get into the comic book world. Oh, yeah. I get told that I'm too young, but then at the same time I get told, oh, do you have a man to, like, help you with this stuff? Mm. And I'm just like, you know what? No, I'll work on it. Like, I don't, like, I, I tend to respond in a really sarcastic way, but it's just like, no, but why is that a question? Yeah. I mean, I, I play Magic the Gathering. I'm very involved in that game and that community. I'm a judge in that world. And and it's very similar to the comic book world in that it's changing, but it's still very, you know, straight, white, cis male dominated. And there's a great panel discussion I got to listen to by, by women who are very involved in the game. And one point, one asked them, one, one, someone asked them, what's the one thing you wish people would stop asking you or saying to you? And, and all of them agreed that the question was that they wanted people to stop asking them, so did your boyfriend get you into the game? You know, yeah. Because that's oh always goodness. the assumption. Yeah. You know how many people have asked me, like, if my – like, going into comic book shops, like, I go to, like, pretty – one, my dad and I uh, – well, my dad mainly, but I've also helped a lot with a comic book shop in Minnesota. Yep. Um, he has one. It's great. Um. But also in Chicago, I've, like, gone – there's there's a few comic book shops that I absolutely love. Uh-huh. Um, like, going on trips or going to places or going to comic book shops I've never gone to before, I always get asked by at least one person, so what comic book are you looking for? Are you getting something for your boyfriend? Oh, God. Um, what's going on? The best. The best. And I, I want to tell the story just because I think this really does show what happens is I was wearing a dress. This was like two or three years ago, maybe long, longer than maybe like four years ago. I was in a dress. I went to this comic book shop in Chicago. I wanted to get my roommate Watchmen because they had never read a comic book really before. And I really wanted to get them into comics. And I was like, you know what? Watchmen is a really good 
com it's got a lot of problems, but yep. it's really good at like showing what comic book the comic book world kind of is. And they talked about how they wanted to read Watchmen, so I was like, perfect, I'll go get Watchmen. I went to the comic book shop. I walk in immediately. Like the two guys working at the front counter, like are staring at me and looking at me in a very weird way, and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm wearing a dress. Like I'm wearing like it's got flowers on it, and I'm like, dang it, like I should have just been wearing jeans and a t-shirt. But I was wearing a dress, and I, I walked to the Alan Moore section, and all their Watchmen's were out. They, they've been sold out. So I walk to the front counter, and I say, hey, when's your next shipment coming in of Watchmen? Like, is it this Wednesday, next Wednesday? Because I know comic book day is Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and they were like, oh, no, we have Watchmen. And I was like, no, you don't. And they're like, no, yeah, we do. You just weren't looking in the right section, sweetheart. And I was oh, like, Lord. ooh, you just call me sweetheart. We're going to have fun. So they walked me over to the where I was just looking, and they're like, oh, oh, my goodness, you're right. It is out of, like, we are sold out. And I was like, I know, it's written by Alan Moore. I know it's sold out. Oh, how'd you know it was written by Alan Moore? And I was oh just my like, God. so over the conversation. And they were like, oh, are you trying to get this for your boyfriend? And I was like, no. Oh, are you trying to get this for your dad? No. Who are you trying to get this for? My roommate. Oh. Oh, is your roommate someone that, like, is your roommate a guy? No. Like, just, like, ah. And they're like, well, maybe we can show you over to this comic. And it, remember it was, like, a Supergirl comic, and it was, like, one for, like, pre-teens and teenagers? And I looked right at this guy, and I was like, no, I think I'm just going to get them the killing joke instead. Because, yes, I have read that comic book. It's really problematic, but I do like it. Uh -huh. The evolution of the Joker. I will never be shopping at this comic book shop again. Bye. Yeah. And, like, I remember leaving and feeling very powerful when I left, but at the same time being, like, they, the moment that I walked in that store wearing a dress yeah. was the moment that they were, like, oh, wow, she has no idea what she's, like, looking for and talking about. Yeah. And, like, the, the question of are you doing this for your boyfriend, are you doing this for your dad is, like, such a question I get all the time, and it's so frustrating to me. Yeah, because I, th I think it's one of the last, not, not one of the last, but one of the strongest vestiges of this ridiculous kind of, you know, boys in the treehouse culture, reading comic books, no girls allowed, you know, and, and Magic the Gathering, we're going through the exact same thing, like, um, that there's a real need to, 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 to challenge people on the this idea of why, why should this, or why was this ever a, you know, white, straight, boys-only space, and how do we change that, because I think there is... And I'm sure if you went to those guys, they those guys would probably tell you, "What? I'm not sexist. I love Wonder Woman." You know, like because there's just no mm -hmm. awareness of the the stereotyping and the clicheing and the and the way in which they are not. There's no room in their worldview for the idea that you are a woman and you were wearing a dress and you also love comic books completely for your own reasons that have nothing to do with any men who might be in your life. You know, I mean, it's just such a bullshit way of looking at it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, all that anger that I'm having about it, I'm sure you've had already, but you don't need. Yeah. Um, but, but, so, I, I know I don't have too much more time with you, but let me, um, thank, thank you for that story. And, and, and let me um, pivot just to, um, back to the Be Super Project for a second, because I want to make sure people get, really get to hear more about that kind of stuff. So, what, what are, give me some examples of, like, comic books or movie, or, or movies or TV shows from comic books and superheroes that you you think are really that you you guys have really had success at using as like how can we use this to to teach people or to write about or to, or to talk about? Uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
honestly, like all of them, like I, I, when I was in school, um, a bunch of comic book movies were coming out. Yeah. Um, and I used them. I used every opportunity to be like, oh, this movie that everyone's probably seen in, in this classroom, I'm going to use this in a presentation. I'm going to use this. I'm going to use what is going on right now. Um, even with teaching classes, it's always like, what is the most popular? What is What comic book character is being seen and highlighted the most right now? And then after using them as like a starting point, I go in and talk about different comic books that aren't being talked about in the mainstream that right. do include a lot more people because in order to get that conversation really going, unfortunately you have to, you have to show what the most popular is or what people know. Yeah. Um, well, g- give me an example. Let me hear an example of one of the yeah. both more popular and less popular that, that you've used and how you used it. So let's talk about the prison industrial complex. Yeah. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I used the first movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, to talk about the prison industrial complex with one using one scene and one line, or two scenes and one line. Um, the line is so this is coming from the first movie when Rocket, Starlord, when all of them get arrested for the first time, and uh, things are getting said to Glamora, and Starlord says. Um, well, the guards will do something about it, or something along those lines. And then you hear Rocket say, they don't care about us once we're inside here. Yeah. And I'm just like, and yes, let's go. Let's talk about that, because really we don't within the prison uh, industrial complex. When people are arrested and put inside jail, people don't think about them. People don't think about the conditions of jail cells. People don't think about, like, what is actually going on behind the bars. People don't think about those people as human beings anymore, which is really, really messed up. And um, they're not really accepted back into society, and there's so much harm and and abuse that is going on within the prison industry, like, the, the cells. Um, and I know that firsthand from working in a prison mm. um, and and having a lot of my family members in and out of the prison system. Um, but so that line and then you see that there it's very easy for them to grab Glamora and take her somewhere yeah. and have a guard look at them and just be like, all right, OK, because like, honestly, like with how many killings happen in prison, with how many like of, like, rapes happen in prison with all that stuff, like, you would think that the guards would be more aware, but they let things happen. Um, And then I also used that movie to talk about how at the end of the movie, everyone loves Rocket. Who are the two most popular characters that came out of that movie with Rocket and Groot? Mm -hmm. They were both criminals. They both killed people violently. They both stole things. They both, like, like, broke the law so many times. But at the end of the movie, you saw the redemption. So why don't we see this redemption within our society? And being able to really expand and have that conversation, um, which is a lot. There's a lot that goes on with the prison industrial complex. Oh, God, like, yeah. I remember that conversation itself was an hour and a half long, and we didn't even scratch the surface of what was going on. So that is one character and one movie. I, I love I love where you're coming from there because I think that that's the um you know 
one of the things that got me started on this blog, on this blog and podcast project is an issue that is so dear to my heart are questions of like redemption versus vengeance, you know, and like the purpose of our, our justice system being, you know, is it about revenge? Is it about feeling good because you hurt bad guys? Is it about reconciliation or, um, God, there's another R word that I'm thinking of now that I, could, that I can't remember that, that you know, I, I better rehabilitation? Just, yeah, rehabilitation. Thank you. Um, you know, and I, I, one of the one of the many reasons I don't like Batman versus Superman is because one of the things that I always loved about Batman, the character, especially coming from the the animated series, I mean, he's got a lot of problems. You're right, fascist, and and the the epitome of might makes right in all the things that I hate about that. But in that show, there's a number of times where he realizes the best that he can do is to put these people who are are you know criminals or bad guys into jail, into Arkham Asylum. But he knows that that isn't a great place to be, and he visits mm-hmm. that. You know, there's t- he visits Harley, and he's sympathetic to her. He visits um, uh, Grundy. You know, he he's sympathetic to them while they're there. Flash forward now to Batman vs Superman, where Batman is basically intentionally setting up situations where people are going to be killed in prison due to the conditions you were just talking about. You know, mm-hmm. and I just thought like that is so not whatever other awful things I know about Batman, at least that, that now you're taking away one of the other few good things I thought about him. Um, and, and yeah, so just, I, 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 that must have been a great conversation to get into because I think that's true, especially in Guardians, but in all of these stories, we get into mm-hmm. these issues of, you know, you know, who deserves to be punished in the criminal justice system or something else versus who deserves our sympathy. Um, so, so what kind of response did you get to that when, when you when you brought that up in, in, a, in a Be Super activity? So I got a really positive response to it, which was very shocking in the environment that I was in because they didn't want to talk about issues like that. Uh-huh. Um, and they were like, oh, oh, whoa, we do love Rocket. And like – and having that conversation afterwards about like them realizing that they do love Rocket and them yeah. realizing they do love Groot. And what does that mean if they love those characters? What does that mean for how they view people who've been a part of that system? Um, that was the, the best part of the conversation. And that part of the conversation lasted longer than the part of like who is in, who gets incarcerated. Yeah. What does this mean? Uh, how is the system, the new Jim Crow, like what is got like, how is all this stuff happening? They were more interested on like, Oh, like, like dealing with themselves as a person and dealing with how they love these characters and these like quote unquote anti-heroes. Um, but how they can't reconcile that thought process with like real human beings. Um, so that was a big part of that conversation, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. It was not where I thought it was going to go, but yeah. it, it, it's where it went, and um, that was really interesting, seeing people, like, like with each other trying to have this conversation and, and going back on what they just said because they were like, oh, I realized that that was really stupid. Or I realized that, like, wow, that was, whoa, okay. And, like, I, it was a really uncomfortable space to be in but the only way you learn is being in uncomfortable spaces yes that's so true. um so it was very very awesome for them to be okay with being uncomfortable yeah um, what that yeah and i think that's that speaks a lot to to your ability and the ability of the folks who are helping you run it as a facilitator because i think being able to create that uncomfortable space is so needed 
Um, and, and I think a lot of the, honestly, some of the, the, the superhero movies and stories that I've loved most were the ones that made me uncomfortable because I, I was like, oh, wait, I'm thinking about something I didn't think I'd be thinking about here, you know? Um, mm. uh, some of the, my favorite Batman Joker stories for exactly that reason or, or other things like that. And I, 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 I'm, I, I'm really happy to hear about what you're able to do with a project in that because I think, to me, one of the, one of the things that I think we can best do with things like this is to help people realize, you know, what are the what are the messages they're getting from these properties without even thinking about it? You know, we do think Groot and Rocky are are more justifiable in part because they're cute and adorable. And how much mm-hmm. is that? You know, and that's I, I, in the last time we did this discussion, I remember you and I got into a whole conversation there about you know when when the filmmaker doesn't want us to think a particular kind of alien is cute and adorable because they want us to feel okay watching Captain America slaughter them by the thousands, they make them look black. You know, they give mm-hmm. them dre- they give them dreadlocks. They give them Jamaican mm-hmm. accents. They do they do think, and, and I think, it, to me, I think that's one of the best things uh, a program like yours can do, is to get people to think like, oh yeah, why why am I so sympathetic to Groot but not to some other criminal? And what does that have mm-hmm. to do with his cuteness? And how does that factor in? Mhm. Yeah, entirely. Um, and then within those conversations, being able to bring up uh, Bitch Planet. Oh, uh-huh. I love Bitch Planet. Because um, that's literally, like, all about prison. Can, can you talk <laughs> a little bit more about Bitch Planet? Because I think a lot of my yeah. listeners may not know much about it. Yeah, so Bitch Planet is written by the love of my life, uh, Kelly C. DeConnick, uh, who I met at WizCon. And, like, we had a conversation, and it was beautiful. Um, anyways, uh, she writes about what it is like if patriarchy really run ran the world. And if women weren't submissive and if women weren't second class and if women didn't fall into the, the, uh, the culture at womanhood and what does that mean? And like, if women were queer, if women were anything other than like what they were meant to be is be by man's side, dress how like very feminine, uh, always respond really like pleasantly to men always agree with them what would happen and so in this world what happens is you get sent to another planet if you were unruly wow and and the other planet is called bitch planet and it's just a prison that's what it is um where the guards rape rape people attack people assault people um and these women are trying to get off this planet. These women are like, we're not wrong. We just have a voice. Right. It's not wrong to have a voice. It's not wrong to be a person of color. It's not wrong to let your hair be your hair. It's not wrong to be queer. It's not wrong to like want to talk back. It's not wrong to fight for yourself and fight for your education. Um, and so that is the main focus of Bitch Planet. And um, interesting enough, when you get more and more into Bitch Planet, there's a second part of the prison, um, which is the trans part of the prison. Because oh, wow. they keep trans women separate from the from what they consider the real woman, which is actually how the prison system's actually set up. Trans people are thrown into the wrong prison all the time, the wrong jail cell, yeah. like, Without a doubt, they are disrespected. They are not seen as being real human beings, and it is disgusting to see. And so in this comic book, instead of doing that because it's an all-female prison, they separated them to a whole different side of the prison where the cis people could not interact with the trans people. Um, and so 
using that to talk about like how messed up that part of the prison system is, is it, it leads to a lot of discussions because um, I don't think people realize what, like don't even think about what it means for a trans person to go in this prison system because they believe that there's women's cells and there's women uh, uh, correctional facilities and then there's men's. Right. And like, but there are also people who are gender nonconforming, people who are gender fluid, and people who are trans who don't fall into uh, when they're trans who who use they them and who don't fall into one or the other. Or there are people who are trans who identify as a woman, but society doesn't see them that way, so they throw them in the men's cell. And how that actually causes them to go under so much more um, assaults oh, yeah. and, and harm than if they were to actually put them in the right right correctional facility. Um, so that that is a conversation that you can that that happens a lot. Um, with with using Bitch Planet, especially recently. That's more of a recent development in the comics, so uh, having that conversation. But I think also having the conversation about what does it mean to actually be put in jail if you're being unruly and your civil disobedience and, like, what is civil disobedience? And even now looking at what civil disobedience is and what does that mean? I mean, the people who organized the Women's March... Um, it wasn't the day of the women's march. It was a different march that they had, and I'm blanking on like what protest it was at. Um, but they organized in New York, and all the heads of the organization got arrested. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that is very much seen to 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 bitch planet of like these women are seen as unruly women who are leading a movement, so they need to be arrested. They need to be put away because they cannot have women rising up and actually fighting for things. I mean, one thing I've been so struck by is the way that, um, and I, I, I'm still fairly new to Bitch Planet. I, I, I don't know too much about it, but I've learned so much at WISCON. But the way, you know, one of, one of the, the, the most important things in, in, in a, those sets of stories is that women can be labeled non-compliant, you know, in NC. Mm-hmm. And now I, I now know at least a half dozen women who in their real lives have gotten that NC sign tattooed. You know, mm-hmm. or have, or you know, as a strict sign of like, yes, I'm going to celebrate my non-compliance. Um, and I think that you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the way the um, "Nevertheless, she persisted" became such a rallying cry, because it's mm-hmm. that it, you know, it's the the you, there again, you have the thing of like men saying like, isn't this horrible what this woman did? We told her to be obedient, and she persisted, and she wouldn't. Um, and that mm-hmm. that that should be a rallying cry. Um, so I, I, I want I, – we could keep going on this discussion for such a long time, and I, I want to hear so much more, um, but I know you need to get going pretty soon. So let me just kind of start to wrap up. Um, what, what are, are there any kind of last points that, that we didn't go into more or that you want to talk more about or um, just other questions you want to bring up? Uh, no, I think I kind of want to end it the way that I kind of did last time, which was like um, me and you are, are talking about this stuff and, and have talked about this stuff previously and started things and organizations to talk about this stuff. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're right or that, um, or that we have all the knowledge. Um, so if you don't agree with some of the things we said, or you think that we, we were very wrong or misinformed on some things, like let us know, call us out yep. and agitate us. Um, I, I know that there's so much more for me to learn in so many different aspects of my life. And I'm constantly, the more you uncover, the more you learn about, you realize how much more there is to learn. 
and there is no way that you can possibly learn everything. Um, but, but, but I'm constantly striving to learn as much as I can. Um, so my opinion on certain things could change in two weeks as Matt knows, um, (laughs) from two weeks ago or a week and a half ago from having conversations, um, my opinion on Wonder Woman and in some aspects stayed very much the same of my criticism, but in Uh some ways did change. Um, and, and, and you're constantly growing and you're constantly learning as a person. Um, so just take what we said as people who are really passionate about this and people who really love this. Um, but don't take it as a final word. Yeah. Go out and, and look up for yourself. If something that we said was really interesting to you or something we said really sparked something in you, go out and, 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 and go out and learn, go out and, and look up these different issues that we've touched on because we've touched on a lot or, or come and ask me or, or come and challenge me and challenge me super and be like, I don't agree with this because of X, Y, and Z great. We'll have a good conversation about it. Yeah. I I think that is such a good point. I want to echo that. I think, um, for me, and I'm guessing for you as well, I started this project because I do have a a lot of opinions, but I want to hear other people's. I want to discuss them. I want to debate them. I want to, you know, I want to hear where I'm wrong. I don't want to hear how I can convince people and other people convince me, you know, just you and I talking, um, we had a conversation last time about team cap and team Tony that that gave me a lot to think about because you challenged Mm -hmm. me somewhat. Um, and I think that that's something to me, that's the whole point of this project. And I think at the end of the day, it's the whole reason why I love these movies and, 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 and TV shows so much is because even when I disagree with them, they're starting conversations. You know, they're getting us talking mm-hmm. about what is the significance of an actor or actress's political views on the media they create. What is the significance of a hero who either uses the justice system or doesn't use, you know, or goes outside the justice system to, as they understand it, punish um, you know, and, and what are our been opinions? So for anyone who's still listening, um, uh, for anyone who is listening, um, <laughs> please, that's a, phrased a little weirdly, um, but please talk back to us. Um, for for um, the Superhero Ethics Project, you can find us um, at Superhero Ethics on Twitter. Superhero Ethics is a Facebook page, and we're going to put a post up about this. There'll be a post on the main Super he- Superhero Ethics blog. All of those have comment sections that we love responses to. Um, and I and and Crystal, I will make sure that you get um, to see those, so that if if anyone posts there, both you and I can respond. And and I don't mean uh, defend ourselves. I just mean get, let's get a new discussion. Let's talk about what did we say you agreed with? What did we say you disagreed with? What did, what are some of the stories that you have talked with you and your friends about that have helped you kind of help people see things in a different way or helped you see them in a different way? Please share those in any of those formats. Um, you can also email us directly if you don't want it to be a public conversation. Um, you can email me, and I'll share it with Crystal at um, superheroethics at gmail.com. Um, all of those will also be on the website. So those are ways you can reach directly to this podcast, um, but both if you want to continue the conversation directly with Crystal or if you just want to um, learn more about this great project that um, uh, is happening at Be Super and how you can get involved and what's going on, Crystal, tell us a little bit more about how they can uh, get in contact with you and how they can learn more and get involved with Be Super. Cool. Yeah, um, you can email us at bsuperinitiative at gmail.com. Um, we are on Twitter as Be Super Tweets. Um, Instagram as Be Super Initiative. Facebook is Be Super. And Tumblr as Be Super Initiative. Um, and, yeah, we are pretty responsive um, on most of the sites tumblr 
we're still trying to figure out. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am too old for Tumblr, so I wish you good luck. Um, I'm not technology like techno techno. I'm not good at technology. Uh huh. Um, my friend the other day had to fix my phone to for group messaging because all of them were being separate uh-huh. separated. Um, so technology is really difficult for me. So, so um, for, first of all, for anyone who is, is younger in mind or in body, if you want to be our Tumblr intern for either of these projects, please let <laughs> us know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then we also have a website, uh, besuperinitiative.com, though it is being remade right now by uh-huh. me, so it's taking a while. But, um, so right now, like, there's a spot for you if you want to just send a message and stuff like that, and it'll go directly, um, to the Be Super, uh, email. Great. Great. And I will post links to all of that, um, on the, both the Facebook page and on the website itself when we put this up. Um, and lastly, are there any kind of new upcoming superhero projects that people should be watching for or that things they can get involved in particularly? Um, things that they can get involved in. I think this summer is really the summer that a lot of organizations, not my, not only myself, but organizations like Black Lives Matter and like different things, um, different like queer organizations, stuff like that are really, um, educating themselves and really growing and getting prepared for, um, what is to come. So I think just like educating yourself on certain issues, if you, if you don't know, um, I think it would be fantastic um also it's pride month um so we have been focusing a lot on um queer uh people and and uplifting queer activists so if you know of any queer activists that you really love or um just queer people that are being incredible or organizations that are like um send them my way or be super's way or or in your own life support them in whatever way you can um yeah well great thank you so much for the work you do and um and and i definitely encourage all of our listeners check check them out um uh, especially during pride month because i mean that that is an issue that we're starting to see more focus on in some of these stories but there again um it has been many times talked about Wonder Woman's bisexuality. I wish that had been mentioned in some way in the movie. Um, there, there was one great article I, I, I read that pointed out that he just had had a line of, that said, you know, the first time she kisses Chris, um, um, Steve, Steve uh, Trevor, um, and, she, you know, she said she's never seen a man. And he, he just said something like, oh, so that's your first kiss? And she says, no. I mean, that alone would have been that such a That would have been so great. Just, oh. just, that, just any kind of a nod. So just, you know, it, it, that, especially that fight, is still going on. Um, the, and the last thing I'll just ask you as we close is um, what, what movies or TV shows about these things are coming out that you're really looking forward to, either as, like, looking just because you, you think they're going to be fun or because you really think they're going to raise some issues that you hope and be super can dive into? I mean, like, it's not coming out until February with Black Panther. Yeah. Oh, that trailer! Ooh, so that good. trailer, so good. It's about like what would happen, like what would have happened if like Africa wasn't colonized by white people, yep. um, and Wakanda was never colonized by anyone. So, um, it's it's so great. Um, Agents of Shield is going to be coming back, but then again, not until January. And I really love Agents of Shield. Um. Just because I, I think I love Ming Nong Win and Chloe Bennett so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Apparently there's like there's like two new X Men shows that are coming out, which I don't know how I feel about that. There's a Watchmen show in the works, which I don't know really? how I feel about that. 
The Runaways are coming out soon, which, again, don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> Inhumans are coming out, which if you've seen any of the leaked footage of the Inhumans or any of the pictures of the Inhumans, uh-huh. I'm really, really not okay with that. It looks, like, super poor, poorly done. Yeah. Um, Every single, like, every single comic book's review, like, website review of the Inhumans is, like, this show is going to go under. It's going to be awful, which makes me really upset because the Inhumans, I love them so much. Um, I'm trying to think of other, there's so many other, oh, I'm excited for Thor Ragnarok. That, I mean, I'm an 80s child, and I think there's going to be some fun things in that, but also that just looks like such a, like, heyday of the 80s stuff I grew up with that I just think that's going to be so much fun. Um, yeah, yeah I, I'm looking forward to that and the other one, both because of kind of some of these issues, but just I, I just need this level of entertainment. Uh, like I said, I, 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 I watched Iron Fist. I made myself watch it. And the entire time I kept thinking this idiot boy character. I just wish someone was there to keep laughing at him and pointing out what a stupid kid he is. And if all the Defenders is, is Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, talking, <laughs> yeah. making, you know, with their biting acerbic wit, making fun of the dumb white boy. That that'll be that that'll almost make up for the the terribleness that was Iron Fist. So can we just um, replace him in the Defenders? Can he just not be in it? That's yeah. the part of the Defenders I'm not looking forward to. I'm like really excited to watch it, and then I'm just like, can we just like replace it with anyone else? Like, can we replace it with Misty Knight? Oh, I think God. that'd be so, that'd be so like, good, especially if she finally gets so, the arm. Yeah, or like, can we just not have him and just have like the three of them? They'd be a better Defenders group. It really um, would. I'm trying to think of any other. There's so much coming out of like superhero stuff. Um, I liked. I'm excited and interested to see what they do with Preacher. Mm. Um, I didn't necessarily love the first season, uh-huh. um, but but they now have so much more money and so much more things to do with the second season. So I guess we'll see uh, how that goes. To be sure. Well, yeah, and there, there's so many other conversations we get into there just about, the, I, I think, the way these, these projects are funded raises so many questions about, you know, what they can and can't do. And, and, and a lot of times I think shows can get really interesting in their second season when they're no longer so much under the microscope, you know, and they can, they can um, uh, start to spread their wings a little bit and explore some tougher issues. Um, so a, a lot of great things there. I definitely would love to have you on. You ha- have you back on at some point to discuss some of these things. Um, but till then, thank you again. Uh, thank you to everybody who listened. Uh, as we said, please give us some feedback. Let us know what you thought. Uh, and other than that, have a great day. Bye-bye.